Okay, so uh, Pastor Vijay asked me to share this youth meeting and I was like, what am I going to share, right? So I was thinking of titles like Justice and and <laughs> Righteousness <laughs> and <laughs> I was going through John Piper's videos and I was like, yeah, I think we should share this and and this and this and this and I spent like almost uh, uh, two weeks thinking over what I should share and I was thinking of all kinds of stuff and and uh, but but God told me, you know, I mean, he didn't tell me, but he's, he was like, you know, one of the things uh, in life is it's best to share what you've learned, right? I mean, that like, it's like you read something and what you understand from it makes more sense to you than the text itself. So I just, uh, I think in the month of October, I, it's okay if I sit, right? Yeah. So in October, I just took some time out, you know, for, and I just sat down and I wrote, what is that I have learned over the, you know, the many years that I've been alive. And what, what is that God has taught me? I mean, is it because every time you just go through year after year and you really don't introspect, you don't like think over what has happened in the past. But it's one exercise I did and it's, it's been like extremely beneficial for me. So these are just a few things which I have learned this year. And, uh, so the reason I gave you sheets is if you think this is something which God has taught you, you can just make a note of that, okay? Only if God has spoken to you. I mean, if there's something which, which God has dealt with you in, in, in any area of your life, write it down, okay? And when you write it down, just leave some space. So when you go back home, think over it. And if there's anything else you want to add to it, you can do that, yeah? Okay? So, first thing. Can you, yeah. Can, can someone read that for me? Second Corinthians 12 verse 7, 7 to 10. 7 to 10. Because of the extravagance. Because of the extravagance of those revelations and I, and so I wouldn't get a big head. I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into his own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I can take limitations in stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over and so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Yep. You know, I, I love that word which says handicap. You know, the, first, the second it says, I was given the gift of a handicap. This is the message translation of Romans, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Uh, the reason why I put this first is, uh, you know, uh, early this year, I, I had a very, very tough, tough time at work. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was not that it was not tough in the past, but uh, it's just that I realized it was tough. Okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I realized what it, it is to be betrayed, you know, in some sense. You know, how many of you had tough times at school and... At GSS, no, right? No GSS. 
<laughs> you can't say. Don't write that down. <laughs> Universities at 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 home. Uh, so I, I had a real bad first six months. You know, it was like I just no. <laughs> so I, I remember like one day I was going back home and uh, I was I was tra- traveling by train and. I was like, it was almost like I was hit with a rock, you know. What has happened? It just took me like several days to just get over what happened. And and this is why God allows that. It says, it's not because of the extravagance of those revelations. Maybe that doesn't apply to us. But the second line says, so I wouldn't get a big head. Right? Because so often, I remember Zach Poonin, you know, kept, keeps say, sharing this in every meeting almost. He says, one of the things a believer should watch out for is spiritual pride. You know, God delivers you from one sin and then you fall into a bigger ditch, which is called spiritual pride. So if there's something which God has taught you this year, it's given you failure. I mean, and you're like, I don't deserve this. You know, that's what I mean by failure. It's not because you didn't study or you failed. That's not what I'm talking about. Or you, you were, you know, you planned and schemed and you got, you know, that flopped for you. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying is you've done the right thing and God has allowed you to fail. Okay. It's, 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 it's good that it happens for us, you know, and when it happens in retrospect, you see that what it does is the last line, and not the last line. Um, so now I take my limitations in a stride and with good cheer, these limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. And it says, I love the third line, it says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down, and what it he in fact did was push me to my knees. You know, it's so often this doesn't happen in our life, this push me to my knees. I mean, we pray, I mean, we pray, and we like, we do our devotions, we just pray for our family, and let God just take care of this, this, this. But we don't get pushed to our knees. You know, when you really fail, when you really are opposed for doing the right thing. You really like, uh, you know, feel that I've done this right and, you know, I'm just going to get rewarded. And when you don't, that's when you push to your knees. God allows circumstances in our lives to push us to our knees. Okay, something to think about. There's been circumstances in your life where you you pushed. It, it could it need not necessarily be like pushing to your knees, but you just wept. You just cried and you say, God, what is happening? And you just let that sink in for a week or two. And then God says, so that you don't get a big head. Yeah? Let's let's move on. Could you read that? So here's what I want you to do. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. You know, it's a few words you should look out for in this. That is level of immaturity, okay? The word culture, I should have underlined that. Culture, fix your attention on God. 
take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. You know, one of the things which we don't realize is that when we walk into this world, it's all ideas around us. Everything around us is is like seeking our attention and wanting us to change. You know, as it's, it's, I say, it's sleeping. I mean, you know, sleeping. Something as ordinary as sleeping, eating, going to work. That's for me. Like, you know, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Right? And you know what uh, Srika was sharing, right? About, about dear Zindagi. I mean, live life on your terms. And, you know, it's, it's, sometimes we see a trailer and we go, we just laugh and, you know, we say, this, this won't happen to me. But you don't understand that so many actions that we take every day is actually because we are confirmed to this world in some way or the other. It's so important, brothers and sisters, that we should not be conformed to this world. I mean, so if, if you're wondering, how do I, how do I know? Before you take an action, check with God. Give it time and say, God, I'm planning to do this. Is this, am I confirming to this world or am I confirming to your word? It says, ready to recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Right? God is calling us to maturity. I mean, uh, I was, uh, I was at uh, a Bible study like a week ago. And, you know, one of the things about that Bible study is they always start late. I mean, those guys are like, when they say 10, it's like 11, 11.30. And, and it's been like two years since I was there and I was wondering how come it doesn't strike them that, you know, that they're not maturing. And they don't see that immaturity is basically being on time. It is. I mean, if if, if I value your time and if I don't want to steal from you, if I'm mature enough to know that, I'll be on time. It's a simple thing as like, right? I mean, mature, being mature is being disciplined. Right? Being mature is controlling your tongue. Being mature is to change your thinking. These are all maturity, right? So that's why, let's, let's move on. Probably we can, you know, all of the, all of the things which I've learned are just connected to each other. Yep. Can you, can you read that? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. It's better to have a partner than than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there is no one to help, tough. Two in a bed, warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you are unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Yeah. This is uh, very often used in a you know you know a wedding sense, right? Where two are better than one, and three when they're three, you know it's like unbreakable and stuff like that. But you know one of the things I realized uh, this year was I need help. You realize that you you think you need help? Some area of your life you need help? Yeah, John needs help. Do you need help? Some area of your life need help? Yeah. You know, it's because, I mean, uh, one of the things which, uh, which I realized, you know, uh, I was, I was, be, I've been part of the worship team for four years and almost every decision was kind of, I was taking it and right? I was like, we'll, we'll do this and we'll do this and let's do this and let's do this. And 
And this year I was like, I need help. I, I need somebody to also take the responsibility so that I can get some time for myself because there's so much to do. Right? And I started, and when the, when I realized that, first thing which came to mind, I need Peter's help. I need, I need his help so much. So I would say, Peter, can you do this? And he would do it. And it was like almost half of my work was being done by somebody else. And, and in every area of my life, even at home, I was like, I would do all the things myself. Right? From finances to planning to everything. I, this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But I realized, you know what? I, I need help. I need to back off and I need somebody else to do some things in my life. I hope you realize that. I hope because, see, we, we, we li- we're like a culture which is independent. And we're all striving towards independence. We want everything to, to be done our way. And, you know, we never want to take counsel. And so one of the things I realized, I need counsel. And any important decision in my life, I need to check with others. I need help. Okay, that's why I just said, we need help. Also, we need others. See, it's not just enough to realize that we need help. Most often we're like, yeah, I need help. Yeah, good. So, let me pray about it. But the thing is, we need we need others. That's why, because if one falls, the others helps. But if there's no one to help, it's tough. Now, I was just thinking about uh, this year, right? Uh, there's so many, so many who've not walked away from their faith, but who have actually left our church and, you know, so many things happened. And I was just going back like four years and I was going through some pictures and some of the emails and I was like, these guys were so strong. These guys were like so in the word and they were doing so many things. But what happened is they all became independent. And when you, when that happens, there's no one to help you. You stop taking counsel. You know, you stop taking counsel. You don't, you don't seek others' advice, and that's what happens. But yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. A three-stranded rope is not easily snapped. Just something to think about, okay? Something which God has taught you this year, make a note of it. Yeah, make a note of it. Leave some space and just go home and think, how much have I depended on God and how much have I depended on others? And is there something in my life as God is telling me? You can't do this alone. You need help. Yeah? It's more. Okay, haste is not a Christian quality. Yeah, sure. Proverbs 19, 2 to 3, ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. (laughs) People ruin their lives with their own stupidity, so why does God always get blamed? Yeah, so another important lesson which I learned is haste is waste. I mean, it's... and, And I like that first line, it says, ignorant... And zeal. So it's not just enough to have zeal to do something. You need not, you shouldn't be ignorant. Because then it's worthless. And because if you're, if you have zeal and you're ignorant, you become hasty and then all that effort is a waste. And it goes on to say people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? You know, uh, this, this, this Proverbs, this Proverbs 19, I think was written by Solomon. Yeah. So, and I was just uh, thinking, you know, when, about Solomon, when Solomon was writing the, the book of Proverbs. And one of the things with Solomon, if you look at his, his writings, he never, ever, ever blames his father. Right? If you actually see, how was Solomon born? He was born through Bathsheba. How did David marry Bathsheba? He killed Uriah, and then he married Bathsheba. So, 
biologically it would have been possible that Solomon would have been Uriah's son. Have you thought of that? It could have been. I mean, it's like, but just that because of David's mistake, Solomon happened to be in David's line. And he could have blamed David, right, all his life. Say, you know what? My father married my mother by getting rid of his her husband. But he never mentions that. And, and the reason I say that is because we, we so many times we blame God. People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. You know, so many times, and I was thinking, you know, so many times we think, I wish if my parents were different, life would have been better. Or maybe if I was born in the U.S., then I would have had a better education. You know, I'm from Nigeria, so tough luck. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm, I'm really serious. I'm speaking out some of your minds, actually. It's true. We, we do hope. We so many times we're like, my father will never counsel me, so hence I'm like this today. But you see, Solomon never blamed his father. I mean, of all the things that he did, a lot of wicked stuff that he did, but he never ever blamed his father. Right? Because when the choice was given to Solomon, he said, God, give me wisdom. We can ask for wisdom. The book of James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask. So don't blame God for your stupidity. I mean, just... Just reflect on that, you know. I mean, it's it's good because so many times we're like, you know, this happened because things would have been different if, if you know, my circumstances were different. So, and we just move on and we never reconcile with the fact that it's because of our mistakes that we are here. You know, each of us has a choice. At least, you know, maybe you don't have much choice in terms of your actions. You know, your actions are controlled, but you have a lot of choice in what you think. You have a lot of choice in what you see. You have a lot of choice in what you hear and you have a lot of choice in what you speak. So, don't blame God. Yeah? Let's move on. I didn't know how to title that so I just said knowledge is very important but yeah, you can, can you read that? Hosea 4.6 My people are ruined because they do not know what's right or true. Because you have turned your back on knowledge, I've turned my back on you priests. Proverbs 16.22 Good sense is a fountain of life to him, to, uh, to him who has it, but the but the instruction of fools is folly. You know, uh, I I've been listening to Pastor Sundar Krishnan's messages like almost from 2005 onwards. You know, almost every year, every message I've I've heard 2005 yeah, onwards. In 2005, some of his 1990 messages also, but uh, and. You know, in, he keeps, if, if you re, if you listen to Pastor Sundar Krishna, one of the things you, you realize is that he's a man who's well read. Yeah. I mean, no matter what area he talks about, he's so informed. You know, that's why I just realized that knowledge is very important. And I don't really mean, I mean, because I couldn't find a verse from the Bible, but it says, my people are ruined because they don't know what's right or true or right or wrong. And that could apply in every area of our life. See, I remember Pastor James mentioning, uh, I think a week ago or, or, or two weeks ago, he said, every day there's so many things, judgments you're making. Even before we came to church this morning, there's so many things that we did. We don't realize, but we're actually making judgments. So like, do I do this? Do I wear this? Do I eat this? Do I travel by this? If I travel by this, I reach in this time. There's so many things we're doing. 
So it's important for us, you know, it's Proverbs 16.20, a good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it. But the instruction of fools is folly. Whatever area you're doing or you're working on, be informed. Knowledge is very important. Okay? Something to think about. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's, it could be, it could be music. You know, uh, because we, we, we kind of separate the spiritual and secular and say, you know, but if I just play the guitar, the anointing of God will come and I'll just play, man. I, you know, it's God doing everything through me. And we don't realize that we need knowledge. We actually, I have a cousin who's, who's, who's like a guitar player and every time I talk to him, it's almost like I get a half an hour lesson on how to play the guitar. Because the guy is oozing with knowledge. He's like, he's just waiting to teach me. And I like to hang around with him. We don't even, like most of the time, it's not even spiritual thought. We just, dude, how do we play this? Can you teach me this? Can you teach me that? And he's like oozing with knowledge. And I'm telling you, the more you know, and the more you teach, you make that person better. I mean, nobody, I mean, to be honest, nobody wants to hang around with a person who can't share or teach you anything. It's true. I mean, and, and, and I just love this guy because, can you teach me this? Can you teach me this? And all that I, I learn from him, I come and use it in our church. I'm serious because what he, he takes like 10 hours to learn, he'll just give me like a 30 minute, uh, preview and I'm just pick a few things of it and I try to use it. And you're wondering, what am I doing? It's because somebody else had knowledge. You know, even in our sermons, right? You know, Pastor Vijay was talking about 40 hours of, of learning, of knowledge, giving us 40 minutes of a sermon so we can use it. So it takes a lot of knowledge, right? So whatever area you're working on, be informed, have knowledge, seek, dig, learn, understand. Because when you do that, it's not just for you, it's probably for somebody else also. Yeah? Okay. Value time, yeah. Ephesians 5, 11 to 16. 16. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in darkness where no one, no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Yep. It's, it's just amazing, right? The first line, don't waste your time on useless work. And, you know, it's, it's kind of related to that, uh, that thing about do not be confirmed to this world. And, but and I was just thinking about useless work. And one of the things which I did this year was I just I did a, a summary of my browsing history, okay? So I just uh, installed this plugin. And what it does for you, it is analyzes all the websites you browsed, the amount of time you spent over the past six months or one year. And I realized I wasted so much time. I'm serious. Like in, in a day, I was spending close to an hour reading news, you know? And buying stuff online and browsing stuff for somebody else and booking tickets and online banking. And I was like, that is all useless work. I mean, we don't see the problem is we see when we, when we, when pastor says, uh, you guys need to read the news, be informed. We take it to the extreme where we just only read news. 
You know, we, we, we take it to the extreme where we're like only doing that other stuff and we're not, we're forgetting all the basic stuff we need to do. And I just did that. I said, if this is what I'm doing, can you imagine the amount of time I'm wasting every day? And it's, it's all nice. Okay. It's not evil. It's not evil. Like browsing and reading up is not evil. Watching videos on YouTube, WhatsApp is not evil. The point is that's all useless work. Because the point is when the guy sends you something and you click, you've wasted five minutes of your life. You won't get that back. That's why it says, rip the cover of these frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. And the last line, for these are desperate times. If, if you had the next 24 hours and say, people say, you're going to die, man, the next 24 hours, what will you do? Watch YouTube? I mean, I will listen to sermons, you know. I, I love watching YouTube sermons. So I will waste eight hours listening and do nothing. Because, see, we, we can make, every, anything can be made spiritual, right? I'm watching the news because these are desperate times. These are the end times. I want to know what, what, I'm, uh, what is happening. I want to be informed, so I'll waste four hours. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, evaluate what you're doing. Maybe it's a good time. If you guys use the internet, install a plugin and see what you browse. What do you spend your time doing, right? And it it's good because when you get a snapshot of what you do, you like, this is, when you quantify your waste, you get a good picture. And you go like, man, I wasted 60% of my day doing useless stuff. I should have been doing something else. Something to edify myself, at least. Yeah? Something to think about. Be alert. Yeah. First Corinthians 9, 24-25. We've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that, uh, you're, you're after the, after one that's gold eternally. 26 to 27. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it. And then missing out myself. Yeah. Nothing for me to share there, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like you, we need to read the Apostle Paul. You know, we need to read Apostle Paul because sometimes we like, I like to read somebody who is my level and, you know, we try to find authors who are in our level and, and we, we kind of bring the line down and it's, and it goes down and down and down. But you need to read Apostle Paul because he was the only guy in the New Testament who had the courage to say, follow me. Like next to Christ, the only guy ever in the Bible who had the guts to say, follow me. Because I am, this is my life. I'm never, never, never not alert. I'm always aware of what I'm doing. I'm always aware of what I'm doing. Always aware of what I'm saying. Even in the midst of, of, I don't remember the reference where uh, he was, he, uh, you know, he blames the high priest or something. What is that? You know how aware he is of what he's saying? That he immediately apologizes. Say, I didn't know you were the high priest. It's just amazing what alertness level he had. I mean, it's it's just amazing, you know. So we need to read the Apostle Paul and, and make it our ambition. Say, Lord, I want to be like Apostle Paul. Because I remember uh, Zach Poonen sharing this. He said, you know, some say I am of Paul. Some say I am of Apollos. And some say I am of Jesus Christ. So you have believers who say, I follow Paul. You say, I believers, you say, I follow Peter and Apostle uh, Paulus. And some say, I follow Christ. And the biggest hypocrites are the 
Christ followers. And it's so true. It's so true. People are like, I don't have to go to church because I'm a Christ follower. You know, I don't need people. I, I can do this my, myself. I, I don't, I don't need counsel, you know, because everyone is, is, is my level. You know, I follow Christ. So it's not true. See, we all, we all follow somebody, whether you know it or not. You may not say, John, I, John says, I follow Pastor Vijay. No, he won't say that, but he's watching his actions. I'm not saying you're doing that, but I'm just giving an example. We always follow. I mean, maybe I'm looking at Pastor James, I'm just watching his actions. I'm following him without his knowledge. You know? And we always follow somebody. So we need to keep our line like there and say, the Apostle Paul, I want to follow the Apostle Paul. Because he's a kind of guy, in any situation, he says, beatings, it's good. Nakedness is good. Abundance is good. So he knew how to live in prosperity. And in poverty. Amazing, right? I mean, I was just thinking, man, what kind of temperament did the Apostle Paul have? You could never put him down. I mean, the worst of the worst of the worst situations, he is always connected to God and he's able to kind of put himself out of the circumstance and, and visualize it and say, you know what? This is all happening because of Christ. Amazing, right? Amazing, amazing. I mean, just follow Paul, okay, follow Paul and follow his temperament. Just say, God, I don't know where I'm at, but I want to get there. Yep. Watch your tongue. Proverbs 17.27 The one who knows much says little. and An understanding person remains calm. <laughs> Even dancers who keep quiet are thought to be wise. As long as they keep their mouths shut, they are smart. You know that second verse is so true at work. You go like, I, I just wish so many people never said a lot of stuff because when they, when they open their mouth, they just reveal their minds, right? So it's, it's so true. And the funny thing is it's true about us as well. You know, so many occasions we have so much to say. Our opinion on this, our opinion on that. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about that movie? What do you think about that sermon? And we start analyzing. It's not, I'm not saying we should not analyze sermons. Unless it's edifying and you, this is what I've learned and I'm blessed by it. Yes, but we start talking about everything around us. We have an opinion on this. We have an opinion on that. Keep your mouth shut as much as possible. Most often, you know what, something I realized, you know, one of the things I used to do at work is I used to get worked up. When people supported, uh, took a stand against this, I would get worked up and say, no, but this is how it is, and this is how it is, and this is how it is. And I realized my opinion really doesn't matter. It's not going to change the course of this world. I mean, me getting worked up over some issues in life, it's not going to matter. Just take it easy. Just take it easy. Keep your mouth shut. It's so true, you know, for most of us. We like so opinionated. Everything, online, offline, everywhere we have an opinion. I need to say something to this blog. You know, I want to say something. I want to say something. I want to respond to this. I want to respond to this. Keep your mouth shut. It's good. I mean, I'm telling you. Because we what you forget is, we need to give an account for everything. You might think it's the right thing to say, but God says, no, I asked you to keep silence. Okay? Something to think about. Watch your tongue. Yeah? Because the tongue is a a little part of our body, but it causes a great fire. And it says it's birthed in hell itself. Yeah? Something to think about.
today could be your last day. You know, let's not read that. But uh, just an ex- something I wanted to share, again, has happened at work, uh, is, you know, I, I went to work, like, I think a month ago, uh, and I just I just happened to notice that there was, like, gloom all over, and I was wondering what happened, and I was just trying to inquire what was up, and I, I realized one of our uh, colleagues had committed suicide, you know, and uh, what was shocking was that he was the best performer in our project. I mean, the guy was like a top performer, got promoted, bought a house, had a good bike, was planning to get married soon, and he just kills himself all of a sudden. And nobody could figure out, you know, nobody had any idea why this happened. And it, it, it took like almost everyone, it took less like a week or two to just realize that the guy sitting next to you, whom you're working with, is gone. I mean, you you don't think like that about a 27-year-old, right? You just you don't think that this guy is going to disappear from the earth tomorrow. And and then following week, I, I got a call from my friend who said, uh, my father just died. I said, how did that happen? He said, uh, he just went out for a walk in the morning and he just collapsed and he died. I said, wow, okay. And then a week after, one of my other colleagues calls me and we were talking. He said, I said, why are you leaving early? He said, my uncle just passed away. I said, how did that happen? I don't know. He was all fine. He just retired and he, he settled down. He got his kids married and he just died. And, you know, I remember uh, Pastor Vijay was talking about this uh, after uh, Pastor Vijay James had died. He said, when these things happen around you, it's good to think about it this way, not how it happened to him, but why did it not happen to me? You know, because today could be your last day. And you know, it's, it's so true because we have a feeling that, you know, we, we are immortal. We rarely think about today being our last day. We, you know, seriously, because if, if we did, then our actions would be in accordance with that, but we don't. So let's read that uh, parable. Luke, Luke 12, 16 to 19. <clears throat> then he told them, his, told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced terrific crop. A terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll get, then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made and can now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods. Who gets that? Who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Yep. You know, if this guy was in the 20th century, you, he is like a management guru. He's, he's saying exactly that, right? My barn is not big enough. So our warehouse is small. We need to break this down. We need to expand. So it's not horizontal. We'll grow vertical. Smart, right? More barns, all good, okay, all good. Till till you read that part, it says, "Then I'll gather in all my grains and goods, and I will say to myself, self, you've done well, you've got it made. Now you can retire." That is where the trouble happens. Take it easy, have the time of your life. You know, secretly we all want to do that. Take it easy, have the time of your life, because none of us like bad times. We don't. 
It's, it's true. It's, it's human nature. We don't like bad times. And I was listening to Pastor Sundar Krishnan who, who is referring to the stock market, right? When, when he, he said like, when there's political uncertainty, people don't invest. You know, like what happened recently, right? The, there's, there's no money in, in pe- with people. So nobody is buying or selling. So it's uncertain. The, the stock market is uncertain, you know? So, we don't, we don't like, we don't like bad times. We like everything planned. We like everything good. Like we want, we, we have, we want good times actually. And God says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. So just something to think about. This could be your last day. Okay. This could be, I mean, because I've heard too many shocking news. Okay. In my life, I've seen one of my friends has died. Like I think seven years back, just got a call and said, that guy's gone. And you just don't know what to do. The problem is, it could be you. It could be you. I mean, don't be so sure. Because, you know, we, we're all in 20s to 30s, right? So we, we don't really think about this being our last day. Yeah? But it could be. It could be. Even if it is not, live like that. Yeah? Something which I learned. Something which I learned. It's, it's, it's very true. Okay? It's just very true. Just... Something that I keep thinking about. This, if this is the last day, what am I going to do? And I'm accountable. You know what uh, Auntie Elsa was sharing last last, last youth meeting, right? I'm going to die. What was she talking about? She was saying, Lord, I, f- I ask for forgiveness. If I've done anything wrong, show me. And it's, it's And we were actually feeling it funny, right? We were like, oh, she's being so funny. But actually, that's what we should be doing. Every night we go to bed, we should be like, God, is there something I need to... To correct? Is there something I watched? Is there something I've said that I need to ask forgiveness for? I mean, I need to check my life because I don't know if I'll wake up tomorrow. Because like recently had that accident, right? There's two trains which collided near Kanpur or something and people are sleeping and they just didn't wake up. That's it. This could be our last day. I'm just, I'm not trying to scare you, but get your Life right with God, okay? Every day, every day. That's why we need, that's why we gather, that's why we meet, that's why we are told over and over. Check your life, check your heart, check your mind, get right with God every day. Yep? Just want to close with that. Lord Jesus, uh, yes, thank you, Father God. There's few things, O oh Lord, we have talked about, but there's so many things which you've taught each one of us. So many different uh, experiences, Lord, so many things that Sometimes we don't even see, O oh Lord, that you're teaching us to, to be patient, teaching us to be submissive, O oh Lord, teaching us to wait on you. Lord, uh, I pray, O oh Lord, that as we approach the end of this year and, and we just move on to another year, let it not be the same. Help us to take, O oh Lord, a summary of our lives. Help us to reflect, O oh Lord, as to what you have taught us. Help us to, to see, O oh Lord, everything in the light of your word, that all the good was given by you and all the bad which happened was loved by you so that we could depend on you, Lord. I pray, Father God, you'll touch us, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, O oh Lord. I pray, O oh Lord, whatever circumstances, even as you walk out of this room, O oh Lord, I pray what we have learned, let it not disappear from our minds. We must not be distracted, O oh Lord, by this world which is calling for our attention. Teach us, Father God, to wait on you. Teach us, O oh Lord, to, to, O oh Lord, to, to learn from you, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to come to your house tomorrow, Lord, with expectancy, Lord. Know that we will hear from you, Lord Jesus. At its course correction, O Lord, every time we meet. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. I pray you bless each one of us, O Lord, in the studies, in our workplaces. Father God, everywhere, O Lord, help us to take your light, O Lord Jesus, and, and let it shine through our lives, O Lord. Help us, Lord, to, to, to remember, Lord Jesus, that we are your ambassadors, O Lord, Father God, when we go. That we cannot confirm ourselves to this world, O Lord. That we need to stand out. Even if it, if it costs us, we need to take a stand. And we need to do the right thing, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. I pray for your protection when we depart from this place. Thank you. I praise you in Jesus' name.